0: Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and to the ages of all ages, amen. Okay, this isn't part of the talk, uh, uh, but I, I just have to share this with you. I can't resist. You don't know how much I love, uh, I love being here. Other than uh, Oxa downtown, this is probably the only club I come to every semester. Um, I get invited to the other ones, but, you know, uh, sometimes I just can't. I just can't make it. Uh, but uh, uh, I really, I really just, uh, really, really love being with you guys, and I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. I hope you guys are uh, are happy to be here as well. Anyhow, take two. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. The question I was asked to address is. Um, Or the topic I was asked to address is the struggles of uh, a university student. And I thought to myself, you are probably more well-equipped to tell me what the struggles of a university student are than I am. I was in post-secondary education for like 15 years, <laughs> but but uh, but nonetheless, um, you're kind of in it now. So maybe we could start off by just opening up the floor. These may be your personal struggles or the struggle of a friend or the struggle of somebody that you know or a brother or a sister or things you've heard of. Why don't we just throw out common things that people struggle with when they're in university when they're kind of at that time in their life. Fire away. I'm going to repeat what you say after you because I'm just uh, recording this um, for uh, for our podcast. So I'm just going to, just so that it picks up on the recording. Anxiety. Anxiety. Balancing your academic life with your social life, and somehow being able to include spiritual life in there. Balancing academic life, social life, and trying to include spiritual life somehow in there as well. Um, sometimes, our ability to express our faith or our views <coughs> without like uh, discrimination or like people feeling that we're close-minded. Ability to express our views without appearing closed-minded to others and our faith. Um, staying true to self. Staying true to yourself. Not giving in to, like, all the temptations. Not giving in to temptations. Do you guys want to be a little bit more specific about temptations? Not specific, you know, all, everybody can participate? Partying, drinking. Cheating. Cheating. Anything else? Okay, back to struggles. Struggles of university students. I'm not looking for like a particular answer. It's not like an, uh, you know, uh, guess what I'm thinking. I just want to hear what you have to say. What to do after? Yeah, what am I going to do with my life? Is my plan going to work? My plan for my life going to work? Or the the lack of my plan for my life going to work? You know, am I going to make it in life? Prioritizing. Prioritizing. Uh, Back to temptation, it's like lust. Lust. How many of you guys, uh, girls, live on campus or live away from home during school? Okay, so like, let's say, almost half or half. Those of you who don't, how many of you spend, um, let's say, more than eight hours or ten hours out of the house, out of your family home? Yeah, almost everybody, right? So, I was, I, I I was thinking about like when I was in university and especially the first year first two years yeah like all of a sudden like you're you're hardly home and your parents ask you how stuff was and you're like good and and there's kind of no time to talk and the accountability factor goes like way down and you have to make your own decisions and Maybe before, like someone was looking over your shoulder and asking you what you were doing and who you were with and so on. But now, for large stretches of time, you know, you're kind of accountable to God, to yourself, um, to no one else. And sure, it, it really does leave a lot of room for, for temptation. I think my greatest struggle when I was in university, looking back, uh, was feeling stretched too thin was feeling like there were just too many things that I wanted to be a part of that I wanted that I wanted to do. In fact, I remember uh, going to see a really holy man in Ottawa, a priest uh, there that I really loved. And uh, I went to go see him on a Saturday morning. I lived in Montreal, so I drove like the two hours to go to Ottawa to spend a few hours with him and come back. And uh, while I was sitting and talking with him, I was like extremely sleepy. And he asked me, you look really tired, John. Are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, just a little tired. Yeah, I just didn't sleep much last night. I said, why? I said, well, I was, you know, at youth group till X time and then I drove some youth home and this and that. So I was out till, you know, whatever, one or something. And then to get here for eight, you know, I had to get up at six or something. And so I'm just a bit tired. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, and then like, what about the rest of your day? I'm like, well, the rest of my days are also really full. I'm really lucky. I lead a very full life. A lot of people are bored. I'm the, the exact opposite of bored. I'm, I, I, I can't seem to find enough hours in the day, you know? He goes, oh, that's interesting. Do you think that God knows that there are 24 hours in a day? He says to me, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. So do you think god knows that you're he's just saying he's saying it like very kind of inquisitively do you think god knows that you probably need to sleep like six or seven or eight of those hours i'm like yeah i think god probably knows that and then you're probably going to need some time to shower and eat and other things and i'm like yeah he goes so that kind of leaves you with like what maybe 14 hours or something 15 hours to do stuff in at most I said, yeah, probably that sounds about right. He goes, oh, I wonder if God knows that. (laughs) And I said, I'm pretty sure he does. He goes, so then God has probably designed for you to do 14 or 15 or 16 hours of stuff in a day. I said, yeah. He goes, so why, why, why aren't there enough hours in the day? And I paused and I was like, oh, I've never thought about this before. And he said, he said I said, I'm sure you're I'm sure you're a good good guy, and I'm sure you're I'm sure you're all good people, right? And I'm sure you're not trying to do anything bad, but maybe you're trying to do all the things God planned for you to do in those fourteen or fifteen or sixteen hours. And then some. Like you're trying to do everything God asks you to do because you're perfectly obedient, like I'm sure you are and some more stuff and so that's why there isn't enough time in the day i was like oh wow that really changed my focus that really kind of made me realize that the problem was that i was trying to do too much and as I reflected, I came to the conclusion when I was in CEGEP. everybody here know what CEGEP is? It's this, it's this weird thing they do in Quebec between high school and university. It basically amounts to like high school ends at grade 11 and university starts at like at, at like your first year, so like your junior year. So it's kind of like... Kind of like grade 12 and freshman like year like squeezed together at a different institution over two years. So, let's call it college. So when I was in college, I realized I could do four different kinds of things well and then when I was in university, I realized that I could only do three of these different kinds of things well. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about in a second. Um, and those are my numbers you don't necessarily have to apply those to you, but that's what I realized that's all. I could do and I I really just had to come to a place where I could accept that that's really all, like I just can't do more than that. When I try to do more than that, I find myself in this place where I'm trying to do too much and I'm frazzled and I'm stressed and I'm not doing any. What do I mean by four things or three things? I mean this, so like different categories. So like family, like keeping up with my family friends keeping up with my social life studying service working you know how many people here have a job what like during the during the semester so a handful of people, four, five, six people, right? For some people, it's useful for their career. For some people, it's this, is some people, that. For some people, it's not an option. You know, they, that, that income is necessary, right? How many of you uh, are actively serving in some kind of service in church? in a parish, not, not, on, cam- like not on campus or whatever, but in a parish. Okay, so, you know, like a handful of people, also about a third, a third of the room. How many of you are involved in, in COCA, in serving here? Like not coming to be served, but making, making this happen, execs? Yeah. Okay. Right. So a bunch of you, a bunch of you, you know, how many of you serve in Koyo? That's not in your parish. It's like serving the, the diocese, the youth of the diocese. How many people here serve, serve in Koyo? Anybody? Any hands? No. Right. Um, how, many pe- how many of you here are in some kind of fraternity or sorority or, or uh, so student government? Um, anything like that? Anybody? No, that stuff takes up tons, tons of time. It's not bad. It's not good. How many of you here have a business? I I had a friend in university who was starting a business and it actually was like super successful and he didn't know whether to continue in medicine or to just carry on with the business that he started. Anybody doing anything crazy like that? No. Um, And so on, right? Right. So I just realized that I could only do, of all of those things we listed, I could only do a limited number of those things. And I love, like since, I was, since, since high school, I love service. But when I got to university, I was in med school, but I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, everything, whatever you're studying is probably, is probably hard and takes up a lot of time. I realized I could only do three things. So between family, friends, studying, and service, I realized I had to, which is what I w- what I narrowed it down to, because I wanted to get a job. See, this whole this whole conversation got started for me when I was in college, when I was in Sejah, because I wanted to get a job, right? And my friends, my family, my sister told me, I really don't think that's a good idea. I think you're stretched super thin already. I really don't think you need to, to, to to get this job, right? And so that's where I decided that no, I can't work. Family, friends, studying and service, that's all I'm gonna be able to do if I'm gonna do anything well. And then when I got to university, I realized I can only do three things well. So I had to drop, I had to drop something. And that was really, really difficult. And it took me two and a half years of my five years of med school. It's a weird thing that we have in Quebec. to decide what I was going to drop. And during those two and a half years, I really struggled. You know what's really interesting is that what I, had to, what I realized, okay, family, friends, studying, service, which one am I going to drop? You tell me, okay? You're my friend. You're my, my best friend. You're my sister. You're whatever. My sister, was real, I was, my sister and I were really close. What would you tell me to drop? Family, friends, studying, or service? What are you going to drop? friends studying. (laughs) Are you sure you're my friend? (laughs) You know, it's weird to hear this from a priest, but I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I realized that the only thing that I wasn't really obliged to do, the only thing that like was not like a real commandment for me to do at this time in my life was actually service. Like, I have to honor my father and mother. I can't just ignore their existence, you know. Um, my friends were as much my family as my parents were, you know, and my sister and so on. So, you know, I like, I had to make time to, to be there for them. Maybe not to, like, go out all the time and have a, you know, and and so on. But just to be there for my friends, I had to, like, not shut them out. Studying, like... Like that's why God put me here. Like I, I was in med school by a miracle. Like I was the last person on earth that could have gotten into med school. And so God, you know, God parted the Red Sea to get me there. He probably wants me to study. So so I told the servants that I served with that like look, you know, don't count me out like don't like take me off for, like our email chain or don't whatever, like you know, don't ignore me. But uh, you know, I'm just going to do my best. I'm going to be there when I can. You know, what was the amazing result? My marks went up about 15 percent, and my service was that much more fruitful. What happened is when I when I was focused, all the energy I was trying to spend, trying to figure out what it is I'm supposed to be doing, was going towards what I was supposed to be doing. And that left me with more energy than I thought I had to do the other things that I really loved to do. There's this great book called Getting Things Done by a guy called David Allen. It's not a spiritual book at all. It's like a life organization, task management, project management kind of book, right? Apparently there's like f- like three different kinds of people, like personalities or whatever, in terms of like how you organize yourself and this works very well for like one of those kinds of p- categories like the psychology people in the room can tell us more about that I- I'm not an expert. but the point is this, if you're that person, this works really well. If you're that kind of person, which I'm that kind of person, you're always thinking about what you're worried you're going to forget. To do, to write down, to call, to email, to text, to whatever, and so you're so while you're trying to get something done, your brain is always half of it is somewhere else. So you're only using half your brain to do what you're what you've set out to do, and naturally, then it's going to take you double as long to get it done, right? So if we can find a way, the people who are kind of like me, a bit scatterbrained, and can find a way to to park all of those thoughts somewhere really quickly in such fashion that we don't get distracted from the task at hand. We can give the entirety of our focus to the task at hand without having the anxiety that we're gonna forget to call that person, to email that, to do this, to write, you know, and so on, right? And so you create an inbox for yourself. It doesn't matter if it's a virtual inbox and create a new email account, like what John has to do at gmail.com or whatever, right? and you just fill that inbox with all the random stuff that goes through your brain, you just brain dump it into the inbox. And then you make time every day, multiple times throughout the day to categorize the stuff in the inbox. And he tells you how to do all all of that. But the point is, is that all this energy was going towards trying to decide, am I doing the right thing with my time? Am I being faithful with my time? Am I using my time, my energy uh, well that, that it was, it was holding me back. And I think I'm not the only person who does that. I bl- I, 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 I'm guessing that most of you also feel like you're stretched way too thin and there aren't enough hours in the day. And you know, how many of us pull all-nighters? Like it's not normal to not sleep. You know what I mean, right? But like, I pulled tons of all-nighters as a university student, you know? I slept in the library and all that kind of stuff. Lived in the library like three days in a row without leaving, no showering, no nothing, you know, right? You know, mountain man, like beard growing in six different directions. and Right? You know? Right? It, it's kind of like the hockey playoff season. You know what I mean? It's like bad luck to shave or shower, you know? Don't come anywhere near me. Only the flies can come like, you know, circle around me in that, you know, at the end of that season, right? And it would be easy to get everything done if we had 40 hours in a day or 10 days in a week or whatever. But just thinking that way, just thinking that way is like saying to God, God, you did it wrong. You should have put 48 hours in a day or 10 days in a week or whatever. But we don't like, like all the time you hear people say, all the time I say, I confess, I say there aren't enough hours in the day. But what I'm saying, when I'm saying that is God, what you created, you didn't create it good enough. You didn't create it Right. It's a criticism. We don't stop to think about it. And I know we don't mean it this way, but it's a criticism. It's a criticism of what God has done. And it's because I want something outside of what God's plan is for me right now. I want something that belongs in later. or I want something that... You know what that's called? That is the general definition of a specific word. You know what that word is? Lust. Lust is to desire something outside of the will of God for you now. So it could be something which is good, which God has planned for you for later. It could be something which is not good and God has not planned it for, for you at all. But lust is to desire something outside the will of God for you now. And to, ta- to say I want to do these 17 hours worth of things when I only have 15 hours of day and I, so I have like a two-hour deficit, that's a form of, of lust. It's not sexual lust, obviously, or gluttonous lust, obviously, but it's, it's a different kind of lust or greed. What's greed? Greed is to want more, to have but want more, right? Or covetousness, to want something which you don't have. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what it is? Or am I... Tell, ca- call me out if I'm being like, if I'm being too extreme. Like, tell me if I'm being, if you think I'm being ridiculous. You know? But I don't think so. I think that's what it is. And I think we just have to call a spade a spade. You know, we just have to call it what it is. Right? Because otherwise we won't treat it the way, the way we ought to. We all need to repent. I need to repent. And to accept that what God has chosen for me now is perfect and is enough, is more than enough. I'm telling you, man, as a priest, I walk around all day thinking I don't have enough hours in a day. There is this many people I want to outreach and this many hours I have dedicated each day to outreach. Is it a bad thing that I want to outreach people? No. But is is it a bad thing that I want to do more than what God has designed for me to do? Yes. Does it take a toll on my health, on my family, on my children, on my wife, on my marriage, on my parish, on my... Yes. All the productivity people now are singing the same song. Like if you read productivity blogs and all this stuff, they're all singing the same song. Do less, you'll achieve more. Figure out what you do well and do that. And let somebody else do the stuff that you don't do well. That's the song that they're all singing. Proverbs 4.25 says... Look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. You know, Jesus sends his disciples out. And he, when, he, when he sends that out, when he commissions his disciples the first time and, 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 and his apostles the first time and his disciples the second time, the 12 and then the 70, right? He says to them, and do not turn to the right or to the left and do not greet anyone along the way. What does that mean? That, that means be, be a jerk? Some, somebody you're walking along the way. Somebody says, hey, John. And you're like, you know? is that what it means no it doesn't mean be a jerk it means don't let anything distract you you know how middle eastern culture is right hey john hey how's it going and this and that And three hours later you're still standing there you know what i mean right you go over to a friend's house and you're you're about to leave you put your shoes on you spend another two hours at the door right isn't that what happens right that's what jesus is saying he's saying time is precious so you can say hello, just don't stop walking. <laughs> Keep walking, don't stop. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, don't let anything disrupt. Set your eyes on the goal. What is the goal? Okay, this is a whole topic on its own, but I'm not gonna talk about it in great depth because I'm talking about this, I don't wanna get off track. The goal is not success. The goal is not success. Your parents are gonna kill me. The goal is not success. To get a degree, and then to get a job, and then to get married, and then to have kids, and then to buy a house, and and then to this, and then to this, and then to die. So what? So what? For what? For what purpose? everybody does that and they're all forgotten who is remembered the person who pleases god the goal is to please god you know Bunab shoy kemel oftentimes quoted and oftentimes you know uh, mentioned Bunab shoy kemel you know a priest in alexandria in the 60s and 70s Uh, 1960s, 1970s, who had an enormous impact, revived all of Alexandria, planted churches all over the world, in LA, in Montreal, and all over the world, God used him. Uh, I spent the last few days of my 40 days, not in the monastery, but with his wife, Tassoni Anjel, who's still alive. God give her good health and long life. And I was asking her, how did Abun Apshoi organize his time? She said, honestly, I don't know. But this I know. He would wake up every morning and he would read the Bible. And he would ask God, God, tell me one thing you want me to do today. Just one. Because if you tell me multiple things, I'll get distracted and confused. and I will not do anything. Just tell me one thing you want me to do today. And I'll go out and I'll do my best to do it. And he'd come home late at night. And he'd stand before God, and he'd tell him, Lord, this is the thing you asked me to do today. How did we do? How did we do? And his goal for each day was to please God, whatever it was that God wanted. Now, I want to tell you something. Uh, question, Yes, yeah, sure. It's just, uh, I, re- I really, really want to have an answer to it um, about the whole success thing. Yes. Is that, Isn't there the parable where um, the Master gave, like, God gives talents, right? Yes. And He gave the servants a few talents. One dug it and put it in the ground. Yes. And one made ten out of five, and and so on. Yes. But I feel like that's, that's what it is with God, right? Like, He gave us. Like talents, like he gave us, like, yes. um, this, this, and this. Yes. And, and it's like, what can you produce out of what was given to you? Like, if you have a degree and like you have the opportunity to get this education, yes, you make a lot out of it. Yes. And that's, you know, in God's eyes, I think he, he values like you making a success out of the stuff he gave you. Yes. Right? So I think Just been. look larger, look larger at the word success. Most of, most. I mean, I could. I mean, I could have asked you, "How do you like?" I've given. I did a whole conference in Vancouver about success and how to be successful, and what. And the first question is, "Well, what's success like?" You got to define the goal. You know what I mean? So basically, what I'm trying to do here is just redefine the goal, right? The goal is not to get like the best degree, the best job, you know, the best partner, the best house, the best retirement savings plan, you know. And then what? The best tombstone? Right? Like then what? Right? I I get that, but it's like... The goal goal is, I agree with you, to use all that God has given you to do what? What What were they supposed to do with the talents? Make money. Okay, but why? To please the Master. To please the Master. The goal of our lives is to bring... Good pleasure to our Father. And I have good news for you. I don't have good news for you. I have great news for you. I love doing things that work. I like to win. Who here doesn't like to win? I like to win. I'm not a very competitive person, but I like to win, right? I hate doing things that I know are going to fail my past life as a surgeon, every now and again, every few months, I would have to take a patient to the operating room that I know is gonna die. Like he has like a 1% chance of success and his only chance is through this operation. And I know, like I know this guy's gonna die. And he's gonna die with a big fat scar that I caused. You know what I mean? And you feel like this is futile. Like I'm trying to climb Mount Everest in my bathing shorts, in my, in my swimsuit. You know what I mean? I'm gonna die. Like this is never gonna work, you know? But like you have to do it because like you're the only person who can even try and they really want you to try, so you try, but you know you're gonna fail. I hate that. I hate being set up to fail and then you go and then you fail, right? I love to set up for success, you know? And bang, hit at home, you know? Get a slam dunk, hit a grand slam. I love that, right? If your goal is to bring pleasure to the heart of God, I have great news for you. C.S. Lewis puts it very simply. He says, man, humans, are easily satisfied but not easily pleased. God is always pleased with you but not easily satisfied. What does he mean? He means that you and I, study kind of for an exam and kind of are distracted and kind of waste our time and kind of don't, didn't really give it all our, you know, and we go to an exam and we get a 70, you know, and we're like kind of happy, but kind of not. And we're like, we're like satisfied. And the next exam rolls around and we try just as little or as hard or as not really as we did the last time. Why? Because we're satisfied with the 70. We're okay with that, you know, but we're not happy. So we set ourselves up to be in this, in this cycle of not being happy, but not doing anything about it. Whereas God is the exact opposite. He's always pleased with you. So if you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I wish to please you, you are guaranteed success today. As long as you try to walk with God. And if you fail and you repent, you still bring pleasure to his heart. Like if you fail and you repent, he says, there's more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 who have no need for repentance. Like if you live righteous, you please God. If you fail and you live sinful, and I'm not suggesting that you should, but, and you do, right? And then you repent, you please God even more. <laughs> so you can't, you can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. It's like, easy peasy. The goal is not success. The goal is to bring pleasure to the heart of God. Now, footnote, how many of you here are students? I'm just going to guess, I'm just going to take a wild guess that if you're students, one of the things that brings pleasure to the heart of God is for you to study. Look at that. They start with the same four letters, right? So, yes, there's a lot of overlap between the very materialistic, worldly definition of success and what brings pleasure to the heart of God. But they're very different. One, I'm doing for myself. One, I'm doing for what St. Paul calls selfish ambition. One, I'm doing for God. Can I tell you something else? I think I shared this with... You know, you Coca McMaster people, I forgot my notes for a second here. Um, this was like an earth shattering revelation that happened for me at the same time as when I as as when I realized this whole thing like I can only do three things and so on and I acted on it. Right? I realized something. I realized that like by umpteen miracles I've ended up where I am now and I sat and thought to myself like how many exams have I written thus far in my life two and a half years into university two years of college high school etc I don't know like it must be just shy of a thousand or something you know what I mean and God has gotten me through every single one of them and for some of them I really studied for some of them I was really well prepared for some of them for some of them, I had no idea what I was doing. There was one exam I literally had studied, I literally had read, looked at. My eyes had crossed over the notes of 60% of the material. The passing grade for this class was 65. Like it's multiple choice microbiology i can't make it up you know and i can't i can't wing it it's not charisma you know i had i like i had, a, I had a, like a psychology class and a bioethics class it was all philosophy maybe there like i could wing it and i could like you know kind of make stuff up and you know hope to get by but this is like multiple choice like it's either a gram positive or a gram negative like you know like i can't like there's nothing for me to make up you know my second highest mark in medicine was microbiology. How did that happen? I don't know. And my question to you is, does it matter now as a priest that I got a 96 in microbiology? No? Do I remember any of that? No, because I never learned it in the first place, right? But does it matter? Yes. Why do I remember this story? Because like God rescued me in the most fantastic way, right? So what was the purpose of that microbiology exam? Like now that we know what we know, okay? That was when I was... 21 and, and now i'm in my late 30s okay so now like you know having like 17 years forward and we have now we're able to look back okay we have the retrospectoscope, we can look back we can ask ourselves why did god put that microbiology exam in my life because i needed to learn microbiology so i could be a good priest no why so he could reveal himself to me so he could give me a story to tell at Coca Talks. He, so he could show how awesome he is, how much he loves me, how much he cares about me. The purpose of tests is to show something. The purpose of a driving test is to show you're safe to drive on the street, or you're not. The purpose of whatever test is to, you pass it, you, you move, you progress. You fail, you gotta do it again, right? That's the purpose of a test. What was the purpose of that test? To reveal something, to reveal what? The love of God for me. Not to become a big fat doctor with a big fat salary, with a big fat house and a big fat wife and big fat kids and a big fat tombstone, right? It's obvious now, because I, I can look back. But if you can learn this now, you won't have that anxiety. I guarantee it because God by hook or crook by miracles, signs and wonders has brought you thus far so that you can fail like Moses goes up on the mount after they make the golden calf right and God says I'm gonna kill them all right God says I've had it I've had it I'm gonna kill them all and I'm gonna raise up a new nation out of you Moses forget Abraham I'm going to raise a new nation out of you. He doesn't say forget Abraham, but right? Because Moses was of the seed of Abraham, right? In some sense. So what what does Moses tell God? He says, God, I don't think that's a good idea. Because the whole world will say, you brought them out of Egypt and everybody knows you did signs and wonders to get them out of Egypt. So you, like they didn't get out of Egypt by coincidence. I mean, they got out of Egypt. You brought them out of Egypt and you brought them in the wilderness so you could kill them. Well, that would, what would that make you look like? You know, some psychopathic murder, genocide, killer, right? I don't, I don't think that's a great idea, God, right? So if you blot them out of your book, blot me out also. Like God brought you out of Egypt, and he got you this far so you could fail and die? Of course not. So it dawned upon me that there's no way I can fail. Not fail like an exam, like fail at life. Like if God wanted to kill me, he would have done it a long time ago. I mean, he has ample reason. I've given him more than enough reasons to want to do away with me forever, right? To erase me off the face of the earth if i were him i would have done it a long time ago thank god i'm not him but he hasn't so he must want me here for something so he's not gonna let me fail die not succeed whatever it is right so then the purpose so then so then what's the purpose of this so then don't study so then prance into every exam microbiology or other not knowing anything because i can't fail because god won't let me fail right no why so what's the purpose of the exam to prove to god how much you love him because he doesn't know no he knows but he wants to glorify you for it and to glorify for it he has to reveal how much you love him let's be honest who knows how hard you studied for an exam Your parents, they don't know. Your friends, they don't know. The person sitting next to you in the library, they don't know. They see you sitting in front of your laptop with your headphones in, right? You're watching Netflix, you're listening to a lecture, they have no idea. Nobody knows except you and God. So the only reason you're here and you're studying and you're working hard is either for you or for God. Well, we already said that you want to pass, you want to succeed, you want to, right? That's given, that's a given. God says, you want that? Okay, Shh, here you go. Blank check. given. Okay, so you got what you want. So then who are you going to study for? There's only one person left by deduction for God. To prove to God, not to prove to God, to prove to, to God so he can, so then He can display it to the world how much you love Him. Right? Anyways, it's a, it's a different topic and I don't want to go too far off because, you know, the pizza smells really good and... Right? Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the flesh... What does Romans 8, five say? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. God is calling you and me to to be spiritual people. Notice that list of things. When I said I could only do four things or could only do three things, God wasn't on that list. My personal spiritual life was not on that list. That is not optional. God is not a priority in my life. You can uh, tweet that. Buna said God is not a priority in his life. He isn't. He is not a priority item in my life. He is my life. I study for God. I outreach for God. I sleep for God. I sleep so I can be rested, so tomorrow I'll be able to do what He wants me to do. I eat, I hope, for God, and not for my lustful pleasures. Right? I live, my whole life is for Him. But now, like the whole life, you're gonna, it's going to have a little pie chart. It's a little pie chart, right? So how many little pieces of pie can you, can you do? I'm suggesting to you to narrow it down. Make buckets. Which buckets are the most important? God is not a bucket. God is all of them, right? We agreed. But family, friends, studying, working, service, you can't do all, you can't do all of them. You can't. And it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't know if I can do that one. I'll do it like recreational, I'll do it when I can. You might find that when you focus on the things that you you really, you know, have said you're going to focus on, all of a sudden you have a little bit more time to do those things that you want to do. What are you going to do to please God today? Today is not over yet. Today is the day of salvation, says St. Paul, quoting from the Psalms. What are you going to do today? Are you going to repent? Are you going to study? Are you going to call your mom? Are you going to forgive a friend? Are you going to prepare the sun, that Sunday school lesson you were planning to prepare on Sunday morning? Are you going to prepare? Are you going to call your those Sunday school kids that haven't come for 16 years and you know, you, you haven't outreached them, right? What are you going to do What are you going to do today to bring pleasure to the heart of God? When I call that Sunday school kid who hasn't come for 10 years, I'm not calling them to get them to come to church. I'm calling them to please God, to bring pleasure to His heart, which I know I'm already guaranteed. I'm already, He's already smiling down on me. This is the message of theophany, tomorrow's feast, right? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Imagine if we all, not just you, not just me, imagine if every single one of us lived our life that, lives that way. Imagine, just for a second, if every decision you made, the thermometer for that decision, the barometer for that decision, the compass that directs that decision was, is this going to bring pleasure to the heart of God? What would your life look like? Now imagine if we all did that. What would our community look like? You know what it would look like? I'll tell you what it would look like. Jesus told us what it would look like. And Jesus told us actually to repeat what it would look like a zillion times a day. You know what it would look like? It would look like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is the will of God done in heaven? Instantly. God doesn't command the angels and they think about it. They see, do I have time? They weigh it out. They prioritize it. You know what I mean? You know, checks and... And then, no. God says they do. God says, let there be light. There was light. Right? Imagine if my life was like that. Imagine if we were all like that. If we were all like that, what would this be? The kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of heaven is here and now. What would our world look like if we did that? Glory be to God forever and ever. Why don't we pray and then if anybody wants to chat or whatever, they can come and chat with me. I'll hang around for a bit so that the pizza doesn't get even colder than it already is. Sound good? Yeah? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for being such a good God. Thank you that you take pleasure in us, in our humanity, Lord. Thank you that like you have bound up all of your humanity, Lord, in your only begotten Son, and you've looked down from heaven, Father God, on our humanity, and you've said, this is my beloved son and i'm part of that i'm part of that beloved son in whom i am well pleased thank you lord that i know that i have your favor your good pleasure thank you lord that i know that you are the same yesterday today and forevermore you never change and you are pleased with me not by my merits but by the work of Christ by the blood with which he has covered me by the resurrection with which he has resurrected me by the repentance which your Holy Spirit convicts me of and drives me towards from you Lord and to you are all things, all glory be to you. Give us, Lord, to live your kingdom here and now. In the mighty name, the holy name, the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, St. Mary, all of our friends who are in heaven, hear us, Lord, as we pray to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Eat us not temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the power.